As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, welcome everyone to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove. And before we bring on uh, today's guest, I just want to remind everybody that if uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you want to share a story, share an experience, or just uh, just say, hey, you can find us at From the Shadows podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can drop by our forum page on Facebook, yeah. After the Shadows. You can find me on Instagram at Shane Grove Author. Or you can find her from the Shadows podcast page on Instagram, or just the old standby. Find us at from the Shadows podcast.com. Go to the contact button. Um, send me an email. I'll read it. I'll get back to you. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully you've got something cool you can share. And uh, maybe you too can come on and, and be a guest. Um, and then if you want extra content or you want to get our uh, shows early, commercial free, Go check out our Patreon page. There's some, uh, there's different levels there. If uh, if you want to help support the program and uh, get some extra stuff, so our guest today was came highly recommended from one of our old guests and uh, and good friend Mary Fabian. Um, she said if we wanted to uh, to be entertained and hear some gr- great stories about uh, about Bigfoot, then Suzanne was the person I needed to call, and so I called Suzanne. And Suzanne, welcome to the From the Shadows podcast. Hi, thank you very much, Shane. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to call you Susie, right? We all, we went through that whole thing where, you know, I'm not supposed to call you Suzanne. I'm supposed to call you Susie. But you were. <laughs> you're welcome to call me. You're welcome to call me Susie. That's just fine. No worries. Okay. Okay. Okay, Susie. Thank you. For, <laughs> thank you for letting me off the hook there. But uh, so... You know, I don't want to give too much away because you've got some, I know you've got some pretty interesting uh, stories to share. So, I mean, let's just, let's just get into it. Like how, you know, how did you first, you know, come into contact with, um, with Bigfoot? <laughs> wow. That's a long convoluted story. I don't know that I came into contact and was more like they came in contact with me, but um, I will just a little background. Uh, I'm originally from Arizona. 
and ended up moving uh, to Sweden, to central Sweden um, in 2011. Uh, ended up getting married to my wonderful husband. And that's when I first realized that there were Bigfoot in Sweden, much to my surprise. Uh, and it all started in the winter of 2013. We had a new, not a new puppy, but about a six-month-old puppy. And I used to take him out every day, every afternoon. We'd go out when I got off work and we'd go for walks in the woods. And out in the countryside, we lived in um, a smaller city that had just 10 minutes away. I could be out in these nature preserves surrounded by farms um, in the woods and uh, really lucky to be able to do that. So I was just going out every day with my dog because he was rambunctious and needed to be away. And um, mm-hmm. we were out. Yeah. And uh, he was about six months old. And I will never forget. It was very cold. It was my second winter in Sweden. So I still was getting used to it. And it was minus 13 Celsius, which sounds cold. But that to me was, you know, really super chilly. So we weren't going to stay out a long time. We were going to go out to this um, part of the an edge of the nature reserve, a raised farm road, couple acres, big field to one side, big field to the other side, surrounded by forest on three sides, on the other sides of the fields. And it snow had been snowing for several days. So um, a nice base on the road and then maybe three inches, four inches of fresh snow during the day on top of the road. And in the field, when you stepped off the road, it was up to my knees. So I'm there and I'm winging a stick for the dog and he's running on this farm road and we've only walked a little ways, park the car at the edge, you know, where the, the roads are plowed and then, you know, walk in and there are ski tracks there, you know, for cross country skiers that do that. There was one single ski track and I was walking in the ski track and then the skier left and I was, uh, well, they weren't there, but the ski track left and I was on the road coming around the corner had just bent down to pick up the stick for the dog through it. And I noticed next to my foot that there was a bare footprint and it was big. Now, remember, there's like three inches of snow on a base of ice in the middle of winter. And it's the time of day in the, I want to say it was like January or February, 2013, January, February, because it was still really cold and it gets that gloaming, you know, up north, it gets, starts to get dark around two thirty, three o'clock. So I needed to get the walk done before it got too dark. And it's now, starting to- now when you say there was a bear footprint, you mean not that uh, there was not a bear had left the footprint, but you mean there somebody in their bare feet had that's left, correct. The foot, had left yes. the footprint. Okay. okay. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. All right. I just I just want so to clarify that there. for the guy in the the guy in the back who's going, wait a second, I thought this was about Bigfoot, not bears. But go No, ahead. that's exactly <laughs> right. There are no bears okay. in that part of Sweden anything. So that's well no, there's Bigfoot. Why would bears want to hang around where there's Bigfoot? Okay. Exactly. <laughs> I looked down and there was a huge bear foot. <laughs> Barefoot footprint. And it was huge. I mean, it was big. It was it it was big and it was perfect. And I remember thinking, those are perfect toes. What fool is out here with bare feet? And it was really big. And I put my snow boot down and it was, so I wear a size eight. It's 27 centimeters. I've measured because I used to use it when I would find other prints in the woods. 27 centimeters. It was about three inches longer than that. So not out of the realm for a very large man, I suppose. However, it was absolutely bare and when a dog if, if if you've ever seen a dog's footprint in the snow it 
it melts it a little bit. The toes are kind of curved into the snow a little bit. It isn't a flat foot print. It's It has shape and definition to it. And this foot had shape and definition. And the kicker was all the way around it, it looked like little rays of sunshine. And what I mean by that is there had been wet fur or wet hair that had the foot went step down and then it was shorter at the toes, longer on the sides and shorter at the heel where there were little triangles coming out about an inch to two inches long, like a ray, like a little kid draws a picture of a sun, you know, with a little rays of sun. I was like, oh my God, what idiot is out here in their bare feet? You know, that's, that's crazy. And I had my phone, I turned on my flashlight and I'm kind of looking at it. Could not get a picture to save my life. The cameras then were not, I had, didn't have a great phone and the camera phones then weren't that awesome. I tried, could not get a picture of it. And the dog came running back. He dropped the stick. I'm throw the stick again because now I'm curious. And now I think, are there, you know, oh my God, I turned around and sure enough, there was one other one on, now this is just a single track farm road. It's maybe 15 feet across. The prints were about four and a half feet, maybe apart at one side of the road, other side of the road. And I, it came, and then I followed it. It stayed on the road and walking. And the other thing, as I looked up, I'm like, oh, they're in a straight line. That's really weird. They weren't walking like a human walks. They weren't offset, you know, when a human leaves prints. Mm-hmm. They were one, two, three. And I'm walking, you know, I'm walking along looking at them. And each print is, a, is, is ba- you know, they're bare toes on this, ice, this weather. And it has now started to snow. So this is something that happened relatively recently. You know, it, it happened sometime during the day because we'd had snow starting in the morning and it was starting in the afternoon. So it, it, it had left the prints recently and I followed them back. There are about 15 footprints that went off and dropped off into a field. And you could see the indentations in that field kind of as it went off into the woods across this other. And so I backtracked, I walked back up the road and I looked and sure enough, it had come up out of bordering the Western side of, of, the edge of this one field between the forest, the road and the field, there was a steep ravine with a creek in the bottom of it. And this creek feeds into a lake that's out in the reserve out there. And it had really, I mean, I've got pictures of the, you know, it had, it was a steep ravine. I couldn't walk up it. I would never be able to walk up it. It was, you know, three times. less. And this thing had crossed from one side. You could see where the prints, it had gone down one side across the creek. Creek's about five feet wide, stepped across it, came up out of the ravine, traipsed across maybe 30 feet of, you know, just ground and stepped up onto the road and then walked along the road down into the field and across. I was just like, oh my God. Oh my God, I think, I think that that is, those are Bigfoot feet. And the only reason I knew about Bigfoot feet, it wasn't that I was hugely into Bigfoot or anything. It's just that, you know, growing up, you watch, I'm a child of the 70s and the 80s and Leonard Nimoy, and you're from the Mm -hmm. state about Bigfoot. And I thought, I wonder if that's what it, you know, what it was. That was so freaky. And then it was starting to get dark. And I thought, oh my God, I still have to walk by those woods. And that thing is out there that scared me. And so I gathered the dog up and I, my ears are huge. There's no people. It's There weren't any people out there hardly ever anyway. It was just out in the middle of the country. And then got in the car and went home and uh, told my husband who laughed kind of, well, let's go see the footprints. But it was almost like, a you know, it was really snowing by then. There's no way 
and it was pitch black. So we never did get to see those prints, but I found those prints. And as soon as I found those prints, that's when I started going online and trying to find any information I could about uh, about Bigfoot or prints or what they look like in the snow. I knew nothing. I knew nothing. It was just one of those freakish things with like, oh, my God. And, 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 and especially, especially in Sweden, right? I mean, that's not considered, I mean, to, to us over here, it's not considered a, what we think of as a hot spot, you know? Um, oh. <laughs> right? I mean, I am I? know that Sweden, I don't know that Sweden is a hot spot, to be quite honest. <laughs> and at that but, point, uh, no. Well, I got to be honest, any place that has them to me is a hot spot. Just be, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, but because, and I don't know, you know, I've had friends that have been to Sweden and it seems like it's, it's mountainous. Has has its share of mountains? Am I correct? Some the northern parts of Sweden do, and the central part looks more like, I would say, Pennsylvania rolling fields, big boulders left, boulder fields from the Ice Age, a lot of Neolithic areas. That's what this area is. A lot of Neolithic ruins, um, and then as you get further south, it's more, uh, they, they, you know, like flat, flatter as you go further south. It's where all the grain is grown. Kind of the breadbasket of Sweden. I was right in the middle. So it definitely has terrain that would be yeah, oh, yeah. suitable. Like when we think over here, like where, uh, you know, like in parts of Ohio and Pennsylvania and then in Washington and Oregon, you know, what we consider like the most uh, uh, hot, you know, the spots over here where there's lots and lots of sightings. And so that's, that kind of fits that mold then. As yeah, as I would say I would okay. say completely. When I see pictures, when I was talking, that's how I met Mary Fabian then online looking for information. And one of the reasons I, I sort of focused on that area or anybody that was in the Ohio area or Pennsylvania was because the land in the photographs looked so similar. West Virginia, um, parts of Minnesota look exactly like Sweden, like the area I was in. Swampy. A lot of big red barns. I mean, there's a reason Swedes moved to, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it looks exactly. like home, and so, that's looks like. So, so what did you? So what did you find out about your area then, where you were living, when it came to um, sightings? I mean, was was were yeah. there any reported, or did you, were, were you just kind of <laughs> like, like, am I the only one that has seen anything, or? That's exactly, that's exactly how, what I, I mean, and you can't really talk to your, so I'm the new American in town. I want to know, have you ever seen as, you know, it doesn't go like that. <laughs> that's a good way to be. It's a good way to get left alone. Right. Like <laughs> the crazy, Amer no. crazy American. Exactly. No, I actually through Duke, there's a guy on there, uh, Duke Sullivan at that time. Now remember, this is when the whole Bigfoot thing was just starting. This is 2013. Um, and Duke Sullivan put me in contact with a Swedish woman who was extraordinarily knowledgeable in um, in big, not Bigfoot lore, but 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 folklore and was interested in collecting data on Bigfoots or folklore in Sweden. And she was wonderful and she was so helpful. And I contacted her and she said, oh, my God, you've seen them. At that point in time, I think there were only four reported accounts through the years and maybe one blob squatch picture that I could find anywhere online, anywhere in Scandinavia. 
And so I just felt all alone. I was like, oh, my God, I can't find any information. And she was wonderful. And that through her, she was able to give me some translations of there are, as I understand it, folk songs kind of describing what are called trolls. They call them trolls or people that live in the woods or uh, stories like you hear in uh, great, they call them the green man. So there are historical accounts and going back, I think the earliest one was in the 70s, possibly the 50s. There's a couple accounts. There might be more now. I don't know. It seemed like at the time it was just me. So. But, the, but the folklore itself goes back hundreds oh, and hundreds so. or thousands of years. So, right? Is that what you're yeah. – okay. And Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so obviously – and we kind of have that and, you know, the Native Americans have those stories. Um, I just recently – talk to um yaoi dan from australia and he you know we were talking about how long um, stories had been um 16 1700s you know and the aborigines they they had them for thousands you know thousands of years you know of those creatures so it seems like they have been been around you know well obviously they've had to been around forever you know it's not like they just started you know (laughs) you know in the in the 80s they said "Eh, let's you know let's just grow our hair out and hang out in the woods you know <laughs> it's not something like that but it's 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 weird and, and we've talked about this on our show before is like a lot of the fairy tales like about the trolls and the dwarfs and the gnomes and like what were they really describing you know were they describing little little people were they describing like a real little people and we just kind of fantasized it to to being you know, a cute little dwarf or, um, you know, a gnome and stuff. And, and like the troll, I mean, any story I ever heard was the troll was the meanest thing in the forest would, would eat you if you crossed the, right. Isn't that the old bridge? I think across the bridge. Yeah. So, so it only makes sense that, you know, maybe they were talking about legitimate creatures of the forest that they didn't really know too intimately, but they had these stories about them and some people, you know, crossed them on a bad day and they, you know, they gave these stories as a warning, you know, stay out of the forest, stay out of, you know, uh, the mountains or whatever. So I, I find that stuff super interesting because, you know, that history is so much older than, than ours, so to speak here, here in America, when it comes to, um, the native, you know, uh, us, <laughs> you know, not the native Americans, but, but, uh, you know, the Europeans and, and, stuff that have uh, settled over here. So I love to hear this, this fairy tale. So, so you, you, you're feeling all alone. Did it, did it get any better or did you, did you feel the urge to go out and knowing that there was something walking around so close to where you were, uh, you know, what, how did that affect you and what did you do? Well, I, I thought it was, I thought it was extremely intriguing. Like, oh my God, they're here. I and then I started looking, you know, the more I would read, I'd think, okay, this is this is really interesting. And I was out with the dog in the woods every day. I love being in the woods. After living in the desert, I'm over the desert. I love being in the woods. It finally felt like a wonderful, safe place. You could sit down. It wasn't gonna, you know, sit on a cactus. You were gonna sit on moss. It was just you know, and the more time I could spend in the woods, the happier I was. So I was out every day. I loved it. And as I learned more and more, I would be like, and I, the other thing was, as I was learning more, I was also seeing stuff. Like I would see these structures and, and, and there are no, there are no people out where I was, you know, where I was going. And I, I think that's weird. 
And then, you know, a week or two later, I'd, I'd read something like there are structures in the woods, like, oh my God, that's what I saw. And then I would go back to that particular location. And it felt like over a period of years, I mean, I was researching for 10 years there. I learned those areas like the back of my hands. So by the time I left, I felt like I had a really good understanding of their, I don't want to call it a migration pattern, but they do have movement patterns, if that makes sense. And I felt like I had a really good idea of where they would be within a certain week like within a three to four week time frame, and the way that they would go, the paths that they would take, or maybe they were here, maybe they were. And that was just more from me being observant. And so that I, wasn't like getting any, any reports from anybody else. This is just you no. out there, boots on the ground, taking exactly. notes. <laughs> oh, exactly. I have hundreds and everybody says, oh, it's so hard to find footprint. I suppose in, in, in the United States, it, in certain areas, I think I was just really blessed. This whole area was outside a city that was surrounded by farms. There were these Neolithic ancient farms in the woods, all hazelnuts, berries, walnuts, pears, apples, deer, moose, elk, wild boar. The biggest animal we had was a lynx. And these animals are all living there in this, conf- not in confined area. I mean, Sweden is small. Sweden's the size of California. And I just happened to be in the right space at the right time. And maybe an average person would have looked at that and not thought twice about it. It's just that I had an interest in it and it just blew up. And I, I read, just devoured anything I could find about it. And then I started going out and just really oh my God, are they here? They're really here. And I wouldn't see stuff every day. It would be like once every couple of weeks, maybe I'd find something that I would think, oh, that's really neat. But those footprints, those were seeing those footprints was a start. And then I didn't see really anything later so much that winter, but oh, actually I did. I take that back. So I would go to different parts of this reserve area, this Neolithic area. And again, afternoon evening walking along and it's getting dark and we'd had a flash freeze so the snow had melted i'm on a a farm road it's the safest place to walk the dog there are no people no cars i can let them off leash i happen to look down and there is an ice puddle and when the ice what i was looking at i really hadn't again arizona the ice had frozen really clear and i'm not at that point i had only seen that maybe once before so i was looking down because it was it had frozen this big puddle and it, it sounds like a 12 year old, but I was looking at it just, Oh my God, that's really neat. Look at all the, you know, I'd never seen ice that clear. And I was trying not to kill myself. I was walking on it and I happened to look to my right and I thought I saw a footprint. Now this was a footprint that would have been made maybe in the middle of the night. And then it froze over. We had rain that morning and it froze. And sure enough, now this I have pictures of, there were two sets of prints. Three, what I would consider maybe a female print, small and smaller, long and narrow, or maybe a juvenile print and a smaller print, maybe like a 10 or 12 year old. And they were not walking. They were side by side. There were only a couple of them, one, two of the, what I think were the female prints. And I'll tell you why in a minute. I think, I think there was a family unit there, but that wasn't, I didn't come up with that hypothesis till that summer. There were prints and you could see the toenails. The toenails were scraggy. So unlike the snow print that I saw where the foot was 
big and robust and absolutely perfect toes with this the the wet fur or wet area around it that we know where the fur was out in little triangles these prints were bare feet stepped in the stepped in the mud and froze perfectly with the water layer over it so they were encased in water and then further afield so i was walking in a circle i'd walk you know in a circle to see, going ever further outward to see if i could see any more prints and i took pictures of all the prints that i found and I took three pictures that you could see clearly that they were footprints in the ice. And then a little further out into the field, now it's off the road and we're in the grass. It's frozen grass, you know, the uh, like one foot high field grass. And it had been tramped down and there were several large, very large, what I would consider male prints. And the male's right foot, it had a Big toe, second toe, third toe, where the fourth toe, between the third and the fourth toe, it looked like it had been injured at some point. It, he, it was scooped, like a scoop, scooped out, like the toes were separated in a U shape. So the baby toe and the fourth toe were always kind of to the side and the three toes were facing forward. And that is how I always knew when the big male was around. Those were his prints. And those I have pictures of. So that was wow. the same. Yeah, my husband was in London. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, I just found prints. Like, <laughs> I can't. See I will be home till tomorrow. I'm like, well, and I took him out to see him. He saw those prints. They were still there. They'd melted a little bit, but you could still see them in the um, in the mud. That was really neat. So, so you know, so now you have visual evidence of footprints on on a couple different occasions. Yeah, is it like frustrating to you that you haven't seen anything else? You know, that you haven't caught a glimpse of one, you haven't heard a howl or anything, and you know No, because I'm, it didn't it didn't occur to me that that's I was that wasn't my goal. It was more it was more like, Oh my god, I found something. I can't believe they're here. Oh my god, that's really trippy. And maybe in the back of my yeah, I probably was looking, you know. But when I would walk the dog, you know, my ears were really wide. Could I hear anything? Did I see anything? But it and playing with the dog as I was going, I was mostly just excited to find stuff. And I started looking at prints. I was just, oh my God, I found prints. They must be here. I didn't think they lived there. It never occurred to this is how stupid I was. It didn't occur to me that they could be living there, right? I just figured, oh, they're just walking by. I just happened to find the prints and they walked by. Oh, contraire. I mean, as the years went on, they were living there, right? Like I knew where they were, I knew the areas they were in. And then I started to be more cautious because it's not something you want to play with. I mean, I was warned. I mean, I was bluff charged at one point and that was enough to make me go, okay. No. So after I saw those prints, I mean, if this is a series of, of over the first two and a half years, it was a lot. I found those perfect prints. I didn't really see anything other than the odd print until that we're getting on till that spring same area where I saw the frozen footprints and now I'm walking along the wood line and I hadn't been up this little I wanted to see where the fencing went to see if I could get in a back way into where this Neolithic farm area was because it was really cool and there were wild strawberries back there um I walked up between a bob wire fence on one side and a deer fence on the other and it just happened to be where these two fences came together space between about four feet I could never have gotten all the way through, as it turns out, but I didn't know that. I'm walking, and all of a sudden, the dog plants himself. He's only like a 
two years old now, one year old, he plants himself in front of my knees and he wouldn't let me go any farther. I'm like, hey, man, he's a big dog. Move. And he's like, no. And he's trying to shove me out of the way. And as I'm as I'm kind of getting mad at him and frustrated with like, what are you doing? He never behaved like this before. <clears throat> I see movement and above my head, this stick comes flying through the air. I'm like, whoa. I mean, like from the right to my left over this this little area I'm standing in from one side of the fence to the other. And the dog is shoving on my legs. I'm like, whoa. And I spun my head around really fast. And I saw it would have been its right arm. It was right-handed and it, it was, it had was, it had completed the apex of the throw. So it was at the top and it went down. And I saw it from just above the elbow to the hand going down between the bushes. I was like, Oh my God. And it was only like 50 feet away or less, maybe 45 feet. And I, I couldn't see anything. The brush was too thick. I just saw the arm and the dog is standing there and I'm standing there. Oh my God, that was a stick. I just got a stick through. Okay, we're backing out. And I just said, okay, I'm backing out, backed out into the field, left. Then I, you know, you stay away for a couple of days because you're freaked out. And then I would, my, my curiosity would get the better of me. And I went back and a few weeks later, it's like, that was in the spring. This was been in early June, mid-June. Same field, I'm throwing the stick for the dog. And I thought, I wonder if they're still here because I hadn't seen anything. Everything's growing. You can't really see footprints. You know, everything's green. It's bushy. It's hard to see if you're missing a stick. The easiest time to see stick formations and changes is when there's no growth, right? Because you can pick out the shapes in the, you can see straight lines and horizontal lines that aren't natural. As soon as the leaves start to grow, it's so bushy everywhere. You can't see anything and the grass is high. You know, it's hard to find prints unless you're in moss or something. Anyway, I'm standing in the field, throwing the stick to the dog. And I just, I don't know what possessed me, but I just went whoop, really loud. Like I did three whoops, just, just whoop, 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 like good ones. And then I waited through the stick for the dog. And damn, if something didn't answer me from the hill to my south, just a football field away, I hear whoop. And like, there was a question there. It wasn't, it wasn't like, I just did whoop like that. And this thing went whoop. It went, it went up just once. And like I, it was like, who's that? Like, yeah, right. it was exactly that. It was exactly that. And I, I was like, oh my God. And I just stood there and I froze. Now it wasn't 10 seconds later, maybe 20 seconds later, all hell breaks loose to my left. And I'm like, oh my God. And the dog is again, brought his stick up. He's standing there. We're both standing there staring at this area. Now this is the area that I'd been where the stick had been thrown at me earlier, a few weeks earlier. This is what is the area that's surrounded by this deer fence. It's a small area and I don't know what the trees were, but that's where this thing and all hell is breaking loose. It sounded like an elephant coming through the woods and I'm just frozen and the trees are moving and it's just crashing towards me and you know, making noise and thing. And I'm just frozen. And then all of a sudden it stopped. I'm no more than 30 feet away. I couldn't see anything, but the feeling that I got was, oh my, it's you, you, I messed up. Like I met, that was what I was getting from that. Like he looked surprised that that, that's why it had left charge. I think he thought it must've been another Sasquatch, right? And that was the feeling that I got. And I just, again, held up my hands. I'm like, oh, dude, I am so sorry. I'm sorry. We're leaving now. And I just walked away. But on on the Sasquatch part, I felt like it just stopped and there was shock 
and then there was recognition. Because remember, I have been out in the woods basically every single day with the dogs. I loved it there. I was exploring everywhere. I was having fun, you know, just exploring. And that scared me. And I got in the car and I drove home. And I told I told my husband, I was, I think, you know, I know I was bluff charged today by something. You said, you're kidding. I'm like, nope. And I described exactly where, and I took him back out to show him the area. And he's like, wow. And we went up to hike up the hill where the, um, we couldn't get in behind the deer fence to see where the noise, where it had come. And I couldn't see a trail of destruction because it stopped before the fence. And it was really bushy back there. There were young saplings, maybe 12 feet tall. So you couldn't see anything, right? But from where the whoop came, you could walk back up there. And we we did a hike. We went back up on this little knoll. It's one of those, um, I call it a, a, oh, you know, a wrinkle from the ice age where the, where the ice pushes the rocks mm. up like a hill yeah. it comes yeah, down. So it's, it's one of those and it's easy to get up. There's a trail that goes over the top. And when we got up there, we found what looked like a giant Eagle's nest. It, it, there had been a very big storm in Sweden in 2005. I want 2006 all, I mean, it was a hurricane force winds had blown down a lot of the trees in certain areas. And in this particular area, a lot of trees had come down like dominoes. Well, something had taken those trees and piled them and woven them together. And these were not small trees. In a s- circle around an area that had mid-sized boulders, four or five foot tall boulders. Like if you were a kid, you'd want to play there, you know, scramble around on them. And and that is exactly what it looked like. And they, it had woven these, this giant eagle's nest. It was maybe 10 by 12 in a circle. And it was the weirdest thing we'd ever seen. Like, oh my God, this is amazing. Even my husband, my husband who does not believe, he, he's seen them, he's heard them, <laughs> but he prefers to remain Aloof. I totally understand his position on the matter. Um, He's a hunter. He doesn't want to be scared out of the woods. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I I get that. I now I want to ask. There was a couple things there that. um, Now the stick being thrown at you know that's that's behavior um, I've heard you know you hear a lot, but but you almost wonder. if this thing sees you out there throwing the stick to the dog all the time and thinks, well, I'm going to try that, you know, I'm going to mimic her behavior and it all, you know, and to see what the dog would do if it threw a stick, you know, I, I don't know. That just kind of struck me is that, uh, you know, that's what you're out there doing. And then all of a sudden you have a stick thrown your way. Like you wonder if the, if the, you know, number one, he's, this thing is trying to scare you off, which is how we take it here. But because you're out there, that's what you're doing. If maybe it's like, you know, Hey, I can do this too. And see I, if the dog, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't take it as that. I took it more because we weren't, we were no longer in the field and that little, that area between those two fences. If, if I were to, I, I did go back and walk it, you know, like a year later, I think, or later on when I, and though that fence came there was no way through it. The fences joined at a, at a, so that little area would have narrowed. And from where that stick was thrown was at the narrowest area. And when I went in around from the backside through the Neolithic farm area, and we're talking, this is a large piece of property. This isn't small. This is, you know, hundreds of acres, but mm-hmm. this area is maybe 15 acres, 
right? So when I came in from the backside from where it would have thrown the stick and I wanted to see, okay, what's back there? This is after I gained courage years later. I went back in there and that area to me with what I had been seeing through the years and studying, that area looked like a small, I don't want to call it a nesting area, but you know, depending on the season, they probably rested there in the evenings, right? Like that was one of their, their resting spots. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And I did find over the years two stick weavings. And I don't mean just twisted sticks. I mean, if you were a teenager and you were into macrame and the only tools that you had as a 13-year-old girl were weaving sticks, you wove these stick designs. And there was one that I found in the wintertime there. And then there was another section that was this beautifully woven arch, which was amazing. It was an arch. It was maybe eight feet tall and it was about 12 feet across. And they had taken saplings when they were young or vines. And they had, it looked like something you would have at a wedding almost. And it had done it in an arch. It was beautiful. I have a picture of that. That was amazing. So I don't know that that wasn't through, through the years of my explorations, you could see where there were areas. I mean, people didn't go back there. I am an oddball. Remember this. I am with my dog. I have nothing else to do in the afternoon. Well, listen, you just you just mentioned the word macrame. You and I might be the only people old enough to remember what macrame is. So yes, I understand oddball. Because that's that's the, I mean, But it was I, it was murky, right? And you think yeah, yeah, I know I know exactly what you're saying. You're like well, what a seventies flashback, macrame. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well when you when when you when I finally figured out that there was a small one there, then I would go to places as I was going through the woods, you would get to areas and you would see areas where it looked like they were teaching them how to build with sticks. Like there would be a little 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 sticks. If you pay you have to pay attention. I mean you can't just this is this is years worth and weeks and, and days and and you know, getting back into the woods where you would see where maybe they were teaching a young one how to do it or the young one was mimicking what the older people the older ones were doing. That's what it reminded me of. It was just like, oh, wow. You know, what did that? (laughs) Well, I I also wanted to ask, is that the last time that just on a whim you did a whoop? That was the one and only time. That was the one. (laughs) Because I've often often wondered, and we've kind of discussed that, like, we don't, we don't have no, have no idea what we're saying to them, like what we're inviting them to do, like. Exactly. Um, and, Never- and I think I think maybe you probably found out that, with, that wherever you were uh, in Sweden, that's not the right thing to do. Like the expectations of whoever you were whooping to or of something much different when uh, when uh, the whooper yeah. or the whoopee came to investigate. You know what I'm saying? So that's just I, that always that was one thing that always really. Um, just struck me odd is like people are out there banging on trees and howling Never. and whooping and like you don't know what you're inviting to uh, come play, you know? No, but that shows you how naive and how stupid I was because <laughs> yeah, after, well, yeah, but that was but, my next thought. Like what? What was I thinking? Don't say that though because there's seasoned people that are out there doing that all the time. You know, oh, I think and that. maybe it might be for just for television. But there's people out there doing that, and it's like I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I would uh, necessarily um, advise that because I just, I just don't, I just don't think you know what you're do, what you're doing, as no. far as 
um, um, inviting some something in. So, holy smoke! So that is. So, that is- I never did go out at night. That's one thing I never did. I never had the courage. I knew they were there and I was terrified, terrified. And I talked to I'm like, you know, it would be kind of interesting. But then I kept thinking, how the hell would we get away? We'd be out there. And how would we be, how would we get out of that situation if, if we pissed them off? I, we never did anything like at the summer house, at our summer house, when they were there, you, you could see them outside, you know, even the house wouldn't have held them either, but Sorry, I'm rambling. I would I would never do that at night either. I think I would think it would be intriguing to have tried, but I would have been terrified. There, I don't have enough courage to, to have done that. Yeah, I, t- I totally I totally understand that for sure. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So what then, how, how did this progress then over the course of, um, uh, after that, so that was the bluff charge. So now I know they're still there because the reason I did the whoop was more like, I wonder if they're around sure enough. Oh, they're there. And now I know that there's like this weird. And at that point in time, I never had, I didn't know what a nest was. It wasn't until like a year later when the guys up in Oregon found those nests. I think I found that online. And then I was looking, I'm like, oh my God, that's what I saw. It looked like an eagle's nest, you know, that kind of thing. Like, that's what it was. So I was seeing stuff and then finding out what it was. And it was about 10 days later, middle of the afternoon, Tuesday, never forget it. About two o'clock in the afternoon, had to walk the dog. And then I was going to go pick my husband up at work. I went in to that Neolithic area, parked the car on the Neolithic farm side, parked the car there. I walk in. I remember that the bluff charge was like 10 days prior. Walk in and I may be less than a football field in to the woods. Nobody else, no one's around. No one, no, no one's around. The dog is, it's very quiet. And I called my husband to tell him I was on my way to, I'm going to walk the dog real fast. I'll come and get you. And as I'm talking to him, the dog now is usually running around like a nut. The dog is right next to my knee, which is odd behavior, standing there. 
frozen. As I'm on the phone, like I'm talking to you now, I started to hear thud, thud, like really. And I said, you know, Spirit, I've got to go. Something's walking towards me and it freaked me out. So I said, okay, well, call me if, you know, if it, you know, let me know you're okay. I'm like, okay. So I hang up the phone and the dog is tracking something and I'm hearing and it, whatever it is, is deliberately loudly walking, making noise. I couldn't see anything. The dog was tracking something. I could see his head moving and whatever it was walked in front of me to my left and stopped in on the other side, as far as I could tell, on the other side of a copse of three trees. So three trees, kind of large, very large pine trees with branch like hemlocks, you know, coming down. The branches almost coming to the ground, very close together. And the feeling, and I was just frozen, like, oh, you know, Jesus, it, it's something, it's there, it's there. And I didn't smell anything at that time. It was just this walk, it stopped. And the feeling that I got, and I don't believe in mind speak or anything like that, right? I just, the in, I did, but you get this feeling was, what do you want? Here first, I was basically, we, we were here, this is my territory land area, right? Everyone. What do you want? And I just thought, I, I was kind of frozen. And I, it was mad. It wasn't mad. It was just standing there trying to figure out how I knew, this is my interpretation, how I knew how to woo. It knew I'd been out looking for it, right? Because I'd had these weird smells periodically. I didn't know what they were at that time, but I found out late, again, oh my, <laughs> what these weird smells were. I used to ask my husband, like, what is that smell? And he's like, I don't you know. I don't know. And this thing was standing there and I just got, this is my, this is mine. You know, that's it. This I'm, I'm. I'm in charge here. And I just lowered my head and held my palms up. Like just, I low, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to get hurt. You know, like, oh my God. I just kind of lowered my head, held my palms open and said, I'm sorry. I'm leaving now. I'm sorry. And come on, Spud. And that's my dog's name. And he never behaved. <laughs> he was right, like healing right at my knee, my right knee. And I said, I'm leaving now. I won't bother you here again. I'm sorry. And whatever was standing there, just walked, just stood there. And I walked, I backed out, you know, I, I kind of sidled to my left on the trail and then turned my back and I walked out to my car. I got in my car, I locked the doors and I drove away. And it was two or three years, maybe three years before I ever went back in that space again. No, I take that back. It was, I didn't go back in that space for a long time because I had another, I did walk by one in there. But after that, I never went back in that area again years and years went by before I ever went back in there again, because I felt like he would let me know that that was his territory. Wow. And so, and so that's, that's an amazingly strong feeling to get, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you're saying you don't buy into the whole mind speak. And I, I, I hear people talk about that and I try to imagine, like, I can, I wonder if it, like it really, <laughs> you know, like, hello, you know, you like, it's a voice from God coming through in your head. I don't, I don't understand how that happens, you know? So I don't either, but that is that, that is exactly how it felt. There've been several occasions like that. So I, I don't, maybe I just don't like the term mind speak because I didn't hear a voice in my head. But as it was much. more like a, more like a thought in your head. Exactly. Exactly. Like a really strong impression, hugely strong impression. Yeah, that's the best way to, to put it. 
And I just stayed away for a long time. So that was in the summertime. And it wasn't until the, and so I'm still, you know, I'm still out in other areas, just not in that area. And then in the fall again, I finally went back in there. And I got, you know, they can't still be here. You know, I know it's his area. I'm just going to stay on this side. I went back there, but I went to the right instead of going to the left. The left is where he walked from. The left side of that Neolithic area is where the way back in the corner where I found those weavings eventually and where that stick had been thrown was on the left-hand side of that area. So I went to the right-hand side with the dog. Now it's fall. It's like September, late September. And it's again, 2.33 in the afternoon. because that's when I was out. Pretty day. Um, very, very muddy. <laughs> and so I'm on the trail. Da, 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 da. Dog is out running through the mud. I decide I'm not going to run through the mud. I'm going to take, I can see the dog out on the edge of the woods. I'm like, screw it. I'll let the dog grow that way. I'm going to go up around through the, the trees. Hard to describe it. There's a small spring back in there at the base of this Neolithic farm. There's a small spring just down the hill, maybe a 15 foot slope, boulders, small boulders, slope. There's a spring down there. And then again, all those blown down trees, a whole area of blown down trees, maybe 12 or 15 big pines that have blown down. It's really pretty, kind of cool to walk through, scramble over. I'm going to go that way because it's higher ground than out in the field, which is up to my ankles in mud. And the the dog is a lost cause, but I'm not going to get, I'm not going through. <laughs> so the dog is out running around like his normal trail. He's outside the woods. I turn left to walk towards the spring in the small meadow, cross the small meadow, step into the wood line, and when I say woodline, it's hazelnut trees, oak trees, apple trees. It's like it's an old orchard. It's from the it's a Neolithic ruin, right? And there's a small spring there. I turned to my right, maybe take five steps, and I walked into a wall of smell like I've never smelled before. And all those little wafting smells over the last year, two years, year and a half that I've been smelling in the woods, it smells like a like 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 wet dog. If you've ever smelled a big cat at the zoo, kind of that rangy kind of old meat smell, unwashed, unwashed smell, that really rangy garbagey smell. I literally walked into a wall of that smell and I kind of stopped a step and I thought, God, that's really strong. What is that? And then I took a couple more steps. And by this time I'd, I'd heard on, you know, I wonder if that's, that's the smell that everybody's talking about. Cause I've been listening to podcasts and trying to find out more information and I'm thinking, Oh my God. So now I'm on high alert. I walk maybe five more steps. I have to make a sharp left to go around a boulder. I come around a boulder and I look to my left and on the other side of this large boulder is a Sasquatch sitting frozen. His back is to me. It's back. I don't know if it was a he or she, but it was big. Its back is to me. I, I rem just, Jesus, I just remember thinking, oh my God, I could have reached, Shane, I could have reached out my hand, taken half a step and laid my hand on its back. Sitting on the ground, its butt to its head, his head is slightly tilted forward. His head was equal from his butt to his head was as high as I am. I'm 5'8". Shoulders were feet wide, four and a half feet wide, head slightly bent. It wasn't point. I didn't see a point. It was more oblong, you know, a little bit of a point, but more oblong. No neck that the trap, because the muscle, the muscles are so huge. It just is, it just slopes to the shoulders and the back was straight. I was surprised. I remember thinking it doesn't have a butt. I, 
if you picture a gorilla sitting on its butt in the zoo, it doesn't really have like a bulbous butt. The back just went straight down. It wasn't discernible. It looked like a big rectangle. It had a big rectangle shape. Shoulders were slightly hunched, left shoulder down to the elbow and its hip and its butt. And then on the other side, I could only see because there was a branch there next to it, it's kind of sitting in the branches, only halfway to the elbow on the right hand side. And I'm walking by it and I just, I'm, you know, I don't remember hearing anything. I just remember hearing a ringing in my ears at that point, I think, because I was so scared, just a ringing in my ears. I glanced to my right thinking, holy crap, if the dog runs up here now, I'm screwed. But the dog was down to my right outside in the field and running ahead of me. So fine. Whip my eyes back. And now I'm now I'm equal to it's the center of its back and I'm looking at it and I'm I, I just keep thinking you have to keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. And I'm just going smooth and it is frozen. It's not moving a hair. Nothing's moving. The only thing I could see moving that, that there was dappled light coming through the trees, you know, green, the afternoon light. And there was like a ray of light that hit its shoulder, the left shoulder. And its skin looked like elephant skin. It did not look like human skin. It looks exactly like the skin on an elephant. And the hair, it's hair. It looks like horse's hair. It's thick. I mean, I'm close. I'm only a few feet. I'm like two feet away from it, three feet away from it. It's right there. The hair, it looks like um, it, it's thick at the base. It rises up about a centimeter, you know, it's because it's firm like a horse's mane. It goes, it, it's thick and then it falls. And it gets real thin and wispy at the ends. And it's not thick. It, the only place it was, it had longer hair kind of coming off its head down onto its shoulders, maybe three or four inches there. And then the hair on its arms and shoulders was four to five inches, but it was sparse. They're not like, this, well, I don't know what they are not, but this one, it, the hair is spaced about a centimeter apart. So picture elephant skin, just like elephant skin. It, with the hair coming out and it was darker at the roots, dark gray at the roots, like charcoal black at the root. And then as it came up and then fell whoosh, down, just blowing this, just wafting in the wind. It was very sh- white, white, to you know, gray to white, sheer. And the hair down the center of the back, or I don't know if it was the skin or the hair so much, but you could see if you were a bodybuilder or weightlifter and you were flexing. I mean, that's when they, when the back, when the bodybuilders turn their backs to the crowd and they bend their shoulders over and they flex, you know, they, they flex and span their back out. That's what it's back. That's what it's back looked like. The center portion, the skin was dark going down the spine but the rest of it so charcoal that sooty sooty dark charcoal down the spine and then a charcoal soot color sooty sooty charcoal gray on the rest of the the rest of the skin sorry and i my eyes i and i thought the only i have to keep going and i have and i walked by it i just kept going it feels like it feels like it's in slow motion, but I'm sure it wasn't. And all I could hear was the ringing in my ears, and I just remember thinking, "Get out! I I needed to get out. I needed to leave, and don't run. Do not run." I kept, "Don't run! Don't run! Don't run!" And instead of staying on the trail, and I would have had to have either gone in front of it and scrambled over and then under big fallen pine trees. No. 
or I could have gone up the 15 foot, like little boulder scramble there that was covered in raspberries. I went straight through the damn raspberries. I'm like (laughs) right up through the top. Didn't care. Just climbed out. You know, I didn't hear it move. I didn't hear it make a noise. I just walked as evenly as I could out straight to the car, got in my, again, called the dog. Dog came up. Just, he was fine. Didn't notice anything. Got in the car lock the doors. And that's the last time I went in. That's the last time I went in there because that to me, that, that, that Sasquatch sitting there was the one that came up to me. And I mean, it was huge. It was huge. I think that the female was the red one that I saw the arm throw and another, on another two occasions, I, they threw things at me. It was always the red, smaller arm. This one was huge. And that's as close as I ever came to. I never, ever in all the time I was there, I never saw a face other than at night. And then I would only see the eyes. But that's, that's, that was my biggest, that scared the crap out of me. That scared me. It still scares me. Yeah, I can, I mean, I can tell. I mean, you you can tell in your voice that it's still, I I I can't even imagine that. I mean, it'd be like walking, be like walking up on any animal that you just, like, can you imagine turning a corner and there's a rhinoceros sitting there or mm-hmm. an actual elephant or something? You wouldn't know what to do. You know, it'd be, yeah, like, you know, you're not supposed to be there. Yeah. And at any moment, if that thing realizes you're there, like, it's amazing that it seemingly had no idea you were there. I mean, or it just was like, eh, I'm going to make her sweat it out. You know, I don't know. I think it was because of when I came, I had a, a typical path. I would stay on the. I would stay on the outside of the meadow where on the, you know, but it was just so muddy. Normally I would walk through the meadow and stay on, stay out because I didn't go in his area anymore. Right. I stayed out of that wooded area. I would go around it, around that area. And then I would exit. And this time I turned left. And so either it was in there again, this is one of those spots. There was a spring there. I think that was one of their resting spots. And either he just figured she won't see me. I'll sit really like a deer. You know, when, when you frighten a deer and or an animal and they freeze like a rabbit, it won't see me. I look like a rock. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I agree with you. I don't know. It was just there. It didn't move. Or maybe it let me see it. I've oh. often wondered what would have happened if I touched it. Like I, I would never have had the courage. I, I don't even I, I, I that didn't even cross my mind. But every now and then I think, God, I wonder what would have happened if I like, hi. <laughs> well, thank God, thank God you didn't let out a whoop. I'm going to tell you that. Jeez, no. <laughs> I never did that again. I would never do that. I don't recommend people doing that. No. Wow. So, um, wow. So, that was the most dramatic. The bluff charge and that were the most dramatic, other than getting growled at. But that was the most dramatic, those two. So, so are you sharing then these experiences with um, that the lady? I can't remember what what you said her name was. The lady that was doing uh, this. Oh, the, the gal. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, so at that sh- at that point, yes. But I okay. So I shared that experience with was it Duke? I think, and he's the one that put me in contact with her. And then I told her what had happened, and she was like, "Oh my God, this is, you know, you really have something going on there." And that's when she and I started going back and forth and talking more, because it was over just this year and a half period where it was like, you know, footprints, whoop, excuse me, bluff charge approached in the woods and then walked by the darn thing. I mean, after that, you know, I knew they were there and it became more of just them knowing that I knew they were there and me being out, not 
hunting them actively, but being observant and putting myself in positions where I thought they might be like, I'm going to take this path today and see if, if is it, you know, is this possibly a hunting method that they would use? You know, they do hunt like the Plains Indians, you know, they, they do, they, they do ambush hunting. I found once a woven little, a woven, I don't know how to describe it. It was maybe three feet by three feet, but it was so tightly woven, like almost as if a basket had been turned upside down, but it was woven out of it. And there were a lot of wild boar in this particular area. And I used to think, I wonder if they put the baby in there or a small little one in there. And then they hunt because there's no reason for that, that to be there. I found two of those over the years. And they were always in areas where there were a lot of wild boar. There were hazelnut trees and the boar would come in at night, you know, and they would feed on the hazelnut trees. And I always thought, I wonder if that's to protect a little one. I couldn't think of any other reason that they would have built something like that. You know, and again, I've got, I have pictures of all this. <laughs> I have no one to share them with, but I have pictures. of everything. <laughs> You have lots of people to share them with. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, it seems I I did it more. I think I was just doing it more for my husband because I he didn't. I mean, he believed me, but he didn't want to believe me, and he'd get so frustrated. I don't want to hear about it. You know, this is. I need to be able to go in the woods and stop. You know, just this is stupid. I don't want to go out there and look for more signs of Bigfoot. I'm like, but look at the foot. You know, and every now and then he would go, but he would get really defensive about it. And um, you know, he's heard whistles. He's heard whoops, something rapped on the windows one night at our summer house. When I closed the blinds, we were watching a James Bond movie and I felt like something was standing behind me and I pulled the blinds down and then it went like, you know, on the glass. And like it was like it was mad that you pulled the blinds down. Totally. Yeah, totally. There was an electric box exactly okay. right outside the window. Okay, let's 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 just establish right now what Bond movie were you watching? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't because remember. it's because I got to be honest. If it was a Sean Connery Bond movie, I totally no, was, agree. I totally agree with the Bigfoot. <laughs> it was not a Sean Connery. It was the Daniel Craig. It was one of the Daniel. Okay, Craig. I'll go with Daniel Craig because I mean, if you're going to tell me like Timothy Dalton or Pierce Bronson, I'd be like, come no. on, that Bigfoot is terrible taste. I would terrible agree. taste in Bond. <laughs> I would agree. But all all my all Patrick said was great. Now we've got ghosts, and I just remember looking at him and giving him the look of death, like. I cannot believe it. And he kind of chuckled. He's like, look, I can't, you know, this is, it's your gig. And I said, who do you think that was? The neighbor? <laughs> who was watching TV through our, it was just one of those things. Sorry. But I digress. <laughs> so, okay. So, I, I mean, this is crazy good stuff from Sweden that I've never expected you know, I never expected to hear from anybody, to be honest, to be honest, um, because like as we were talking, it, it dawned on me that, you know, some of the stuff you experience, like the footprints and the even the whoop and the sticks being thrown because of the lore there in, in Sweden and some of those countries in Europe, like it's mm-hmm. almost like I could almost imagine um, a na- somebody native there. Going, oh, that's a troll, or that's a, uh, you know, a gnome, or that's a dwarf, or, you know, attributing it to their folklore and not really saying, hey, that's a Bigfoot. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I mean? They they would. Yeah. And and part of the reason for that is that Scandinavians and Swedes, Swedes in general, but Scandinavians and Finns, Norwegians, 
have still have a really strong feeling for nature. I don't know how to describe it unless they have summer homes. They like being out in nature. It's not unusual. It's like the little people, you know, you hear about, or maybe the fairies in Iceland. I mean, it's part, it's part of their everyday. Whereas a lot of times in the United States, especially if you live in a big city or you're not in the country, you're so out of tune with nature. In my opinion, you're so out of tune with nature and, and, just, you know, if you have a friend that has a house that's haunted, oh, that's kind of quirky. In Sweden, it's not uncommon for people to say, oh, you know, it's just, I saw that ghost again this morning. And it's just everyday activity, right? So I would agree with you. There's a lot more affinity for nature. There's a lot more. My girlfriend's mother swears up and down. She, she, saw, she saw a little person, red hat and all, standing in the garden when she was about 14. And they don't bat an eye. They're like, oh, that's pretty cool. So it's it's a different it's a different culture it's still part of the culture it's still embraced <clears throat> i don't know that they recognize i think the whole bigfoot thing like finding bigfoot i had to look for stuff online finding bigfoot wasn't on tv until maybe 5 years ago in sweden it wasn't that mm. a deal you know oh that's my girlfriend i i told my girlfriend once i'm like let's go out you know come out hiking with me and she said really that sounds kind of cool let's go Show me what you're finding. I took her out. And all she says, well, don't, she said to me, don't Bigfoot live in California? Now, this is a girl who totally believes in gnomes. <laughs> and she's fine with it. She's, she's totally cool with it. But when it came to Bigfoot, I thought they just lived in California. So I think it's just a mindset. It depends on the, it depends on the culture that's behind it. Maybe uh, more like Native American culture where they're just, ex- they're just things in the woods that you can't explain. and. Okay, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> I didn't, like I said, I didn't tell my friends really about it, but I have a lot of friends that are hunters and spend a lot of time in the woods there. And they, they'll say, oh, yeah, we've seen some strange stuff. What? You know, and they just kind of blow it off. They're like, oh, it's just part of it. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> so, okay. So now, did you have any experiences back in Arizona? I only had one experience in Arizona. And uh, at the time, I didn't know what it was. It scared me. It wasn't until 2012 until I saw the Jacobs, I think it's called the Jacobs photo, the thing bending over picking up apples. It's a, it's a photograph. Yeah. Um, it, February, uh, February of 1985, uh, in an area called Lynx Lake, which is just outside Prescott, Arizona. I'd gone overnight camping with my boyfriend at the time I was at college, Yavapai College. And we were, he had a, you know, the Toyota, Toyota long, the 1986 Toyota long bed, you know, that kind of, that Toyota truck of the time. And uh, we used to, we had a mattress in the back and we'd sleep in the cab and we'd go out there and just spend the night. And then we'd, you know, go back into town the next day. And we had done, we were out there for the evening and, um, uh, I needed to use the uh, restroom before we went to sleep. And I was really nervous for some reason. I really didn't like the woods then at all. I'm not a fan of the dark and stuff And at that time. And, uh, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'm like, all right. He's, I'm right here. I won't listen. Okay. So I climb over the tail. We have a, you know, the hardcover. The the back flap is up. The tailgate is up. But the, flat, the, you know, the window flap is also up. I climb over the tailgate, climb down, go around to the side of the truck, do what I need to do. And I'm kind of using leaning my elbow on the, the truck and I stand up and this, it had a lift kit on it. So it's a little bit higher. And I stood up fixing my jeans and uh, 
I don't know if it was movement or if I saw a glint of what I now think might have been its eye. But you know how they have eye glow, but something something caught my attention and I looked up and about 25 feet away from me, and Arizona has it's not bushy, this area, you know, there's open space between the trees and the odd bush. And they're ponderosa pines. So it's not like Sweden. They're not, it's not dense. It's just open. And I froze and something had been sitting Indian, not Indian style, but if you picture a gorilla sitting on its butt, excuse me, with its legs, its knees up, you know how they kind of sit down. And this thing had been sitting there with its back against a tree. And as I watched it in its moonlight, I can see it, it, it rolled to its right. And by that, I mean, when it, when it moved, just like a gorilla, you see it right, reach at its arm, it puts its knuckle on the hand and it kind of goes up into a four, into a stance, right? So the right hand is on the ground. So the right knee, right hand are on the ground. And now I'm like, what is that? And it's big. It's the size of a cow. It's big. I mean, like, there, I mean, there are bears there, but a bear doesn't move like that. It wasn't, it wasn't a bear. And it, it, it rolled over. It's got its hand, right hand on the ground, knuckles on the ground, right leg is on the ground. Then it reaches forward with the left arm, left arm hits the ground, left leg comes forward. And I am, my eyes, seeing how you scan something, trying to figure out what it is. Sorry, drop the phone. You know how you scan something when you try to figure out what it is? Yeah. An animal in the woods, where's the head, you know, where's the back? What's the shape? Trying to discern the shape. I couldn't figure it out. It didn't have the hump. There was there was no back sway for the back and where the 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 butt should have, you know, if it had been a deer, there would have been a head. There was no head on this thing. That's what I kept looking for. It was it kind of like flat shoulders, no no back sway at all. It was just flat across the back. And then the right leg picked up to move forward and the leg didn't a deer the 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 leg goes up. You know, I don't know how to describe it. The 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 leg goes up this thing moved the leg went in in the foot came out <laughs> and you know it did it moved like a human on all fours it did not move like a deer and then my my eyes i'm like oh my god what is it what is it i'm kept looking for the head there was no head there was only like half a bowling ball where the head was and now it's right arm so it's left it started on the right left arm went forward and now as it's reaching its right arm forward to, to take another step still on all fours it turned its shoulders to look at me the the left shoulder lifted the head turned and there was no head it was just like half a bowling ball like i said i couldn't see any features it was just the shape and i remember thinking where's the head where's the head and that's that's when i snapped it, I just was like, oh my God. And then it reached its left arm forward again and it grabbed the next tree in front of it. And as far as I could tell, as I was starting to move, it either stood up or it disappeared behind that tree. That's the last thing I saw because by that time I hurtled. I'd come around the back of the truck and I did like a, a hurdle over the tailgate. I dove through the window, scrambled to the back, just screaming, close the window, close the window. There's something out there. There's something out there. And my wrestler boyfriend was like, what, what? I'm like, no, close the window. And I'm freaking out. And uh, he said all the color had drained from my face. And I scared him enough. He reached up and pulled the window and locked it. And we just sat there and listened and nothing else happened. That, I, I didn't know what it was. He's like, you saw a deer. You saw a deer. I'm like, I didn't see a deer. You saw a deer. Just calm down. He calmed, I mean, eventually calmed me down. Probably saw a deer. The next it, one. It, 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 totally, it totally goes along with all the stories you hear about a big folk. 
when they do that like spider crawl or whatever that looks so unnatural i mean it yeah. totally it totally like where it like sinks its, you know head down in and and you just see the top of its head i mean i can't i've never heard anybody describe that to where i would think it would look like something i would want to see like that <laughs> You know what it, I'm saying? I mean, like it's on all fours. Yeah. And it wasn't until I saw the Jacob's picture. Okay. So I'm looking for a wedding dress, looking at my wedding dress. I'm in Sweden and this picture pops up uh, on the side and it's like new, new photograph or whatever. I, I hadn't seen it. I'm like, what is that? And I clicked on it and it was this, uh, it, it was kind of the description of this game cam photo of this animal that was picking up uh, apples. And I didn't know that Bigfoot could go down on all fours. And it, I did not, I had not thought of that at all from 1985, from when that happened until 2012, when I saw that picture, I had not thought of it. And then it all came back. It all came back. And that's why it was so weird when I saw that the footprint in the snow a few months later. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's, <clears throat> that's kind of incredible. I mean, <laughs> I want to say lucky you, but I'm not sure. So some of the stuff, some stuff seems to have, you know, kind of shook you up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it, I can laugh about it now, but at the time, you know, it's freaky. And if you don't know anybody or anybody to share it with, that's why it was so nice having, having Sigrid to talk to because you could just talk to her and she would say, oh yeah, that's common. This has been described. And I was talking to Duke and emailing him and saying, this is what I found out. And then I met Mary Fabian and she would say, have you looked at this or have you looked at that? And I started listening to uh, Sasquatch Chronicles, which we talked about before, I think is six episodes. And so I was learning stuff every week at, at, and it was like the light bulbs were going off. Oh my God, I just saw that. Or that's what that was. Or Oh, maybe I should look for this. And so I was, you know, I was learning. It's been a, a total up to now, up until last year, a 10 year process of just discovery and just just you know oh my god <laughs> so so are you glad to be back in the state or do you miss kind of uh, the I chance miss- of walking out and and seeing some footprints in the snow <laughs> i don't miss that part um i miss i miss being in the woods and i loved i live living there it's like living in minnesota with a techno edge you know it's just it's it's Pretty, it's pretty Americanized for the most part, but I love being in the woods. I love that part. What I don't, I miss that. I don't miss the nervousness, the feeling that I'm, you know, that you're always on edge. You're always on edge. Every time I would go, I wouldn't, it, I got so bad there at the end. I wasn't going in the woods unless I had my husband with me. I would just stay in the open fields. And if I found a footprint, that was great. If it was snowing and I happened to see something like a structure that I hadn't noticed before, I might go in a little bit if it was too far in the woods or I thought it was too far in the woods. I would um, I would uh, ask my husband to go with me. You know, I, I found something I want to take a look at. I don't. I don't miss that nervousness feeling. I don't miss being scared at our summer house, too scared to go outside at night. I don't miss that. So. Well, I'll tell you what, Susie, I, I'm so glad that uh, that Mary Mary uh, told me to get a hold of you because, um, I mean, this has been fantastic. This is a fantastic adventure I feel like I just took with you, and I didn't have to go out and walk in the snow and uh, be scared to do it. Because <laughs> because I I've kind of felt everything that you that you felt. And uh 
Um, I hope our I hope our listeners do too. I'm sure they'll love it. And our and, and like we kind of talked, we have tons of listeners in Sweden, and I hope they. Um, Where were you people when I was finding all this? <laughs> and they're just not don't not don't yell at them. They're just you know they're just. <laughs> but I hope I hope some of them hear hear your stories and uh, want to reach out and uh, get a hold of you and uh, maybe they'll they, there's some other stories out there in Sweden just waiting to be told. So I'd love I'd love to hear them. So uh, I would. Know, so. I'm just going to say if you are in Sweden and you're experiencing things, it's wonderful. And please reach out to me if you have any. I can give give you my contact information if you need it. But um, I'd be very curious to talk with you. And I'll be back this summer for a visit, so I can totally. Ooh, even better. Oh, so so the challenge has been laid down. If you, you're if you're one of our Swedish uh, Sw- Swedish listeners, get a hold of me. Send me a message, and I'll get I'll get you in touch with Susie, and uh, and maybe we can start a Bigfoot. Uh, a Bigfoot conference in Sweden. How about that? It would be interesting. That would be kind of cool. That would be <laughs> kind of cool. Well, Susie, I, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, hang out and, and, uh, and share your stories with us. And uh, I do I do really hope that uh, there's some people over there that uh, have experienced some of the stuff that you have and reach out. I think that would be kind of neat. I do too. Thank you, Shane. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>